Welcome to the Navigating Dental Insurance Podcast, where we don't take from insurance companies. Here are your hosts, Mr. Jordan Comstock and Mr. Ben Tuine. All right, welcome again to another exciting episode um, to our podcast. I got Ben on the line with me. Hey, Ben, how you doing? Pretty great, Jordan, and yourself? Doing good, and today we've got an exciting guest. His name is Dr. Christopher Phelps. Uh, he is a writer, a practicing dentist, an entrepreneur that happens to be a pretty good dentist as well. And he's been practicing for 13 years. Uh, he is very smart when it comes to marketing, um, creating in-house membership programs or saving plans. Um, and today we're excited to have him on. Dr. Phelps, how you doing? Great. How you doing? Doing pretty good. So, um, we want to talk about your book. I'm really excited about it. I bought his book. Uh, I've read it. Um, I've shared it with a lot of other people. Um, what was the title of, of your book again, Dr. Phelps? Uh, grow Your uh, Dental Savings Plan. or Grow Your grow Membership Savings Plan. Membership. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah, it's a great book. Uh, very, very good read, um, especially if you're a doctor that's looking for, uh, you know, to grow your practice through this type of program. So, Dr. Phelps, what inspired you to write uh, this book? Well, I, I think what inspired me was, you know, I, I speak nationwide and in, in, in the UK and Australia and other places and Canada. And wow. The number one problem I find, no matter where I go, is that uh, dentists are looking for new patients. I mean, and like desperately looking for new patients. And they, they don't seem to know how to get them. And I had heard about, you know, in-house discount plans and whatnot from other lectures in the past. But to me, nobody really figured out how to promote it and how to really sell it. And to to attract these new patients in the door, right? And the, mm -hmm. the best quality patients, in my opinion, which are the retired 55 and older baby boomers, if you will. And so when I set about my practice, not only implementing and creating my own plan, but I it, through my advertising mediums figured out how to sell it, right, and really promote this thing to the right market, that's what motivated me to want to tell others about that, uh, to help them find the new patients they're desperately looking for that are really, in in most cases, in their backyard, they just don't know how their mindset or how to tap into them yet. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. I, you know, I speak with with practices across the nation, and uh, even in places like Ireland and Australia, and and that seems to be one of the the questions you know they have is you know how how to grow it, what markets they need to choose. So, uh, you know, again, I've read the book, and it it really explains a lot. It's very very resourceful for growing your in house membership program. It, it's an excellent read. Yeah, it sounds like you have a lot of. Um... Um, key performance indicators, as they call it in dentistry, looking at your key numbers, tracking tracking your numbers is important. So, Dr. Phelps, my part of my background is I played football in college, and the fun thing about football and sports is that you get measured after the game. The very next morning, hopefully, if you're not in the hospital, <laughs> uh, the, very, <laughs> the very next morning you're watching film. You're watching film on your performance. You're watching film on the performance of your your unit, your defensive unit or offensive unit. And then you're, you're going through key statistics about the game, particularly key statistics on how you performed against a specific opponent that you may meet uh, uh, later in the year or the upcoming year. So when you look at statistics in general, statistics in general are, are one of those things that if you measure your stats, um, somehow you will find ways to improve. And I understand that you have an ROI tracker that helps listeners um, measure either a certain statistic or, or a set of statistics that help them improve. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about the RRI tracker program that you have? Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, it was all bred uh, out, of, out of necessity more than anything. 
uh, out of my own problems. And, and, and flashback when I had four dental offices and I had done something a little nutty. Uh, I had sold my two highest producing least debt offices and made a nice profit on those. And I took over my two highest debt least producing offices. Wow. Uh, yeah. One that was literally, you know, 75000 a month in expenses. It was a cold start satellite office I started. And uh, we were collecting about 35000 a month. <laughs> you, know, you know, when $40,000 in checks go out that don't come back in income, that, that's, a, that's a hard check to write every month. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So I knew I was having troubles. And at the time, I was spending about $36,000 a month in marketing to get 60 new patients a month between my two offices that I had left. You know, 30 at one office and 30 at the other. And so, obviously, I knew I had a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Something was going on, and but I couldn't tell. Was it the ads not bringing in the potential new patient calls that I needed? Or was it the other side of the marketing coin? Were we not answering the phone, or was my team not converting the patients we were talking to? Mm -hmm. And and I tried all kinds of call tracking companies and systems out there. And while they were kind of scratching at the truth, nobody kind of gave me what I felt was the real data I needed to make the smart decision, the whole truth, if you will. So I felt like I had to develop it myself, so I did. And out of doing so and being able to get the data I felt that we really need finally, like you said, the right stats. I mean, you know, we can be bombarded by a thousand different data points, but if they're really not relevant to what we need, they're just blinding us to the real issue. You know, yeah. so when I got to the real heart of what the what do we need to track this marketing thing and what data we needed? Well, suddenly I started seeing results. So in my case, come to find out, we did not answer 220 new patient phone calls a month. Wow. From wow. And when we did answer, we only converted 24 percent of those into appointments. I mean, so I mean, think about that as far as lost opportunity. I mean, mm-hmm. I could have had a lot more new patients if I could just answer the phone and we could get them in the door. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so I, that's what I really set the the call tracker ROI system to do. And 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 then I thought, well, if it works for me, maybe it'll work for others. And it's just you know kind of grassroots spread uh, throughout the country and Canada and Australia and now the UK. So it's been pretty cool. Yeah, so cool. I, I appreciate. It. I have a follow up question to that. Um, so two hundred new patient calls from us. You converted twenty four percent. What is it about dentistry that causes the other 76% to not even call back or a lot of that, a large portion of that other 76 to not call back. Um, and I, and I, and I bring this up because I want to bring up the importance of, about why it is important that you answer every single phone call that comes into your office. What is it, Dr. Phelps, about the other 76%? Why do, why do a lot of them simply don't call back a second time? Well, if you think about it, like I said, the, most offices, like my average call tracker client right now, is not answering 33 to 55% of their marketing-based phone calls. So yeah. a third to a half, okay? So why aren't they answering? Well, the, the reasons are numerous. There's so many things the front desk has to do. Sometimes it's staffing. They've only got one staff member, and they should have two. They've only got two when they should have three. So you they're know, spread too thin. Spread too thin. Sometimes people are calling when they're closed. Like my office at the time was during lunch hour from one to two. It was like a ghost town in my office. Nobody was there. But guess when patients, new patients were calling when they got back, (laughs) when they got back from their lunch, which was at one o'clock, you know? Yeah. And so we, you know, you can make small changes like just staggering your own team and covering the phone or we weren't open on Fridays for a time. And I saw all the new patients were calling on Fridays. So I decided let the data justify the expense, and I paid one of my team members to be there on Fridays to answer the new patient calls. You know, 
Um, so there's some small things you can do like that to tweak that. But ultimately, the the more volume you have, there's just too many things the front desk is doing. I mean, think about it. They're confirming appointments. They're on hold for 30 minutes checking insurance benefits. They're dealing with what, what I call the, the age-old conflict, which is, you know, there's no one more important than the new patient on the telephone, right? Because that's the catalyst for growth of any business. But mm-hmm. at the same time, there's no one more important than the existing patient standing in front of you trying to check out and make their appointment and pay their bill, <laughs> right? Yeah, you got to so, balance it. <laughs> yeah, but so if that existing patient standing in front of you and the phone's ringing, you don't want to be rude to them so they don't answer, right? right. So that kind of is some of the reasons behind why we're not answering the phones, okay? Why are they not converting is a whole separate issue, right? It's creating barriers for patients on the telephone that are stopping them from scheduling. I mean, these people are calling because they want an appointment. And nine times out of ten, whether we realize it or not, it's our team that are prejudging them or whatever and creating these barriers that are causing them to change their mind in the phone call and not schedule. (laughs) Uh, So just, you know, understanding what these barriers are and giving them some strategies on how to avoid those has been huge. So my team now, you know, for the last six years, we've averaged 86% conversions of our new patient phone calls now. Wow. Uh, I mean, from 24%. I mean, that's huge. But it goes back to what you said, whatever's measured increases but whatever is measured and reported back to them so that's one of the things i report on is i give them the specific reason why my team member did not book that phone call by the ad source as phone training and we review it with them monthly because whatever is reported right measured and reported back increases exponentially so exactly yeah and i think um we use a term for this in, in the marketing world. They, they call it growth hacking. I don't know if you're familiar with that term. But it's basically, um, it's different than the traditional marketer where you, you know, spend a lot of money, put ads out, and just cross your fingers and, and hope that the best is going to happen, right? Yeah. Um, having that data is, is essential and tracking that data and, and then measuring it and then, and then saying, okay, how can we increase this? Exactly like you did. And I'm guessing that your, your call tracker um, – it helps with that, with with uh, a practice. It helps them uh, refine and, and improve their, their marketing uh, practices. That's it. It's just trying to make it more efficient. You know, uh, exactly. Uh, a lot of these, and we, you know, I started also out of that need, a, a different company called Golden Goose Scheduling, to where we'll actually answer your phone calls that you can answer and schedule them better than your team will. Um, because, again, it was another need I saw my clients having. Uh, but the cool. idea is that everyone's looking for that goose that, that could lay the golden egg of new patients for them. <laughs> yeah. Right? But the reality is they've already got that goose. The, if they're spending money on marketing, the phone's ringing, but they're just not able to answer or convert. Right? So uh, my team can help them find that golden egg that's just sitting right there in front of them. They just can't tap into it. Yeah, I have all kinds of examples of practices that are using the same um, marketing service. And it's so interesting to me that uh, two clients would same, spend the same dollar amount uh, in marketing for, and with the same marketing firm, but the results are completely different. And I was at a seminar, and this marketing firm actually played, with the permission of the dentist, played the recordings <laughs> between the two practices. And one practice really just had this attitude of, yeah, we love you, we, 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 great customer service, we want you to be a patient. The other practice, when you listen to the call, um, the front office, it kind of felt like they just didn't really want to be there. Person answered the phone, and the first question out of the mouth of the patient was, is this a dental practice? And the lady on the <laughs> other end said, well, what do you think it is? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
you know? Oh, gosh. And yeah. then when you looked at the return on investment, the, the one practice that did great with how they answered the phone call um, had something uh, upwards towards a 35 to 1 ratio on a return on investment. Uh, uh, the other the other practice uh, that I, that did, didn't really have great training um, had a break-even point, and they were in the same market. <laughs> and it's kind of interesting to me that uh, a doctor would blame a marketing firm for the failure of the program. And I think to me, um, it, it's all about what you do, tracking the numbers. And then an exciting thing that you mentioned is your ability to take the function of answering the phone out of the dental practice. And I think that's a key important thing because I do that all the time where we simply cannot handle every function. So we find right. we find programs out there that are economically efficient for our business to outsource to another firm uh, to allow them to do what they do best so that we can focus on what we do best. I think that's pretty amazing. Yeah, and you'd be surprised like the subtle little things like uh, one of the things I've trained my team in is the the science of influence. And, you know, whether you realize it or not, one of the barriers we put up for patients on the phone is when they ask, like, how much is this or that, right? How much is your crown? How much is your cleaning? How much is this? What I call the, the price shopper. And any number you throw at them, that person is going to compare it to something, whether you realize it or not, right? And the danger comes in you letting them control what they compare it to. If you just do something and change it ever so slightly, do something else first before you talk about what you want to talk about, it can totally change the outcome. So the example I give is when people call without insurance and they're asking how much is our cleaning, right? I don't tell them uh, our savings plan is $299 first. What I teach my team to talk about first is, well, you know, if you went out and bought dental insurance on your own as a single policy, it would cost you 600 bucks. And here's what you'd get for that. Two cleanings, two exams, two x-rays, et cetera. Hey, but our, our dental savings plan, you can get all that and more for only 299 bucks. Yeah. You, right? <laughs> and, and now we're going to compare my 299 to. Yeah, exactly. The right? And it's going to reframe their perspective on, on what we're talking about and automatically set the stage for more people to say yes to the appointment. Jordan, you remember you and I talking yeah, awesome. about that yesterday? <laughs> yes, we were talking about that yesterday. So I, I, I find it interesting. <laughs> yeah, the, the psychology behind negotiations, which is what I do, which is essentially a sales, a sales technique, the power to influence yeah. the other person to um, at least accommodate or accept what you're, what you're saying, is that you have to teach and coach them how to listen to you. And if, if you don't teach them uh, correctly during the early stages of the conversation, you can say the same thing to, uh, to uh, you can you can give them the most powerful pitch on your product, but if they are not honed in on what you're really talking about, they're just not going to get it. And so you have to, yeah, you, know, you have to have um, key steps to uh, in in the influencing process to help people prepare to listen to to you in in the right way. And I think that's a great thing even for speaking. You probably I haven't taken maybe more than two or three speaking classes, but I learned from a, a, a man by the name of Dan Gilbert. He rehabbed the city of Detroit. He's the majority owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And one of the things that he, he teaches his employees is the psychology behind preparing people to listen to you. And that's so key, not only in, in the dental practice when you're, when you're answering the phone and answering questions like that, like what you said, Dr. Phelps, is that if you don't prepare people to really listen to what you have to say, um, or at least steer them psychologically towards what you want them to, to listen to, 
they may have a preconceived notion about what they want to hear from you, not what you want them to hear. Definitely. You know, understanding the mindset of the person we're trying to get in the door is huge. And and that's another reason why I wrote the book and spent a lot of time trying to describe this mindset of, our, in my opinion, what's our ideal patient and why they're not coming in right now. And so what I realized was that, you know, I got this opportunity to do these educational seminars at retirement communities. And I decided to make them wine and cheese events because I like wine and cheese. And I thought maybe they might <laughs> like wine and cheese, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, you know, I just got back from Napa Valley and spent way too much money on wine clubs. And I had a plethora of wine <laughs> at my disposal. Uh, and I thought, well, hey, I could kill two birds with one stone. And, and they turned out to be very popular things. But at that first meeting, I, I was talking to about 60 people. And I asked them, you know, show of hands, how many people of you have been to the dentist in the last year? And only 10 out of 60 raised their hand. I was like, oof, jeez. Wow. I said, that ain't good. I was like, well, how many of you have dental insurance? And the 10 people who had been raised their hand. And I was okay. like, okay, now I'm starting to get it. All right, how many of you would have gone to the dentist had you had dental insurance? And the other 50 raised their hand. And so it hit me in that moment that that's the barrier, right? That's the mindset. These people think that when they retired, they lost their dental insurance. And because it's kind of expensive at 600 bucks for one person, they feel like they can't afford to buy it because they're on a fixed budget. But they think, well, I don't have insurance. I can't go to the dentist unless it hurts or I'm in pain. Okay. And yeah. so my theory was that if I created a savings plan, that would get them over that, that barrier. They would give them the sense that they had insurance. Okay. And that would drive them into the practice. And once there, they would spend more money. Like they would spend money on the treatment we proposed. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you saw that the study that recently came out on uh, the mindset of shoppers that from Walmart versus Costco, right? You know, you, if you know what these two companies are, you know, Costco is a membership company. You got to pay them yep. fifty-five bucks to one hundred and ten bucks a year to be a member there, okay? So to have the right to shop there. But the benefit is supposedly they have better deals or discounts or whatnot. Whereas for the most part, you can get the same stuff at Walmart that you can get at Costco, okay? And at Walmart, you don't have a membership plan, right? You don't have to pay them to go there. So when they looked at the spending habits of these people, they noticed that the average Costco shopper spends 247% more than the Walmart shopper per trip. <laughs> and they paid for the right to do that, right? <laughs> yeah. And so the mindset is if people are buying a membership plan, they're going to spend more money. They've, they've committed to it. They, they perceive more value to it. So it's a big reason why, why you need to have your own, your own savings plan, if you will. But the other thing I realized through the marketing means is the this mindset of this generation is that, you know, they have this, well, it sounds great, but what's the catch? You know, it's too sounds too good to be true. Yeah. Right? And mm-hmm. and what I found is just by advertising this message first in their communities didn't really give me a good response. And that's and I noticed that through tracking. But once I went and did these wine and cheese seminars once a month, right, and started building trust and rapport and getting these sixty people to come into my practice every month. They went back and through kind of what we call grassroots means, spread the word and told the community, no, no, this guy's legit. It's good. There is no catch to where I literally had a guy that came in and bought the savings plan. And, and I always ask people, I was like, hey, how'd you hear about us? And, you know, and he said, hey, my neighbor uh, referred me. I was like, great. What's his name? I'll send him a little thank you note. And he said, oh, well, he, he's not a patient here yet. <laughs> nice. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> he said, yeah, he's not, he said he's, you know, he's not due for his cleaning. He just moved down from New York or something. But he's, he's due in like two months. But he said he's going to make an appointment when he's due. But when he found out I needed a dentist, he said, this is where I need to go because of the savings plan. 
And I'm like, awesome. holy crap, man. I'm getting referrals from people that have never been to my practice because of this thing. That's, that's the best kind of feeling you get, right? <laughs> yeah. Once I built the trust in the community, now I can advertise the savings plan to those that don't know me yet. And it has much more of an effect. And so it was a kind of an inexpensive way. I mean, it cost me like 135 bucks a month in wine and cheese to drive 30 to 60 patients, fee-for-service patients, into my practice every month. I mean, it was, you know, you can look and read the book and read the numbers. I mean, it was huge. Yeah, it's it's a yeah. Again, I'm I'm gonna talk about the book. It, it's a wonderful book. If if anyone out there you know is is interested in starting their own savings plan, read Dr. Phelps' book. He he gives you great ideas uh, that he's done that have been successful. It's it's just a it's a, a great book. So, um, Dr. Phelps, I I want to ask, what are some of the benefits you've seen on the business side of having a membership program, and then what are some of the benefits on the clinical side of having a membership program? Uh, well, the benefits from the business side are growth. I mean, an inexpensive way for me to get new patients for spending an hour of my time <laughs> and an hour of my team's time. Uh, I mean, you can't beat the ROI. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Okay. Uh, um, and it's the right quality patient. You know what I mean? Like it's the fee for service patient and it's somebody that wants to just get a little discount for doing what they really should be doing anyway. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's kind of the mindset of this generation versus it's, you know, I'm not really in network with anybody, but I see all these dentists struggling in these PPOs, and I know, looking at on the horizon, they're not going to be able to compete in this space because they're all fighting for the same small little piece of the small little pie, and they're all fighting for a piece of that pie. But every year, the corporate dental groups get higher and higher reimbursement rates, and the solo GP gets less reimbursement rates because, as we know, the insurance company is not in the is in the business to make money. So if they give more money over here, they got to take it away from over here. Yeah. So with more and more people signing up for these plans, you're going to have to do 10 crowns to get paid for three. And that's just they're not going to be able to sustain their business long term. So from a, a growth model long term, I see it to, for most of these practices to survive in a corporate environment. They're going to have to go to these communities and find these fee for service patients and use these savings plans to get them into their practice. So they don't have to compete over that, that same little small piece of the insurance pie anymore. Uh, clinically, it's been great because, the, like I said, these are great patients. They will move forward with the treatment you recommend. You know, in my case, I think the average person spent an additional twelve hundred and forty-seven to fifty-four bucks in addition to the two hundred ninety-nine bucks they paid for the plan. Wow. Okay. I mean, I had one guy literally walk in, and he his, he said, "Hey, I, I get if I buy your savings plan, I get ten percent off my crowns." And I just happened to be at the front desk when he was up there. And I said, yeah, of course. He goes, I can get that off all five crowns. I was like, sure. Why? He goes, hang on. <laughs> and he, he grabs his cell phone and he, he calls and I'm listening to him. And it's the dental office literally across the street. And he says, yeah, this is uh, Bill Jones. Uh, I need to cancel my appointment in 10 minutes. I'm not going to be able to make it. Thanks. Click. <laughs> and he bought my savings plan and came in and we did five crowns on the guy. Right. There's no treatment plan. I mean, there was no case presentation. The guy knew he needed them. He just needed a deal. And the funny thing was, and I was thinking about this later, he never asked me what my crown fee was. Wow. Wow. <laughs> right? You know, my fee after the 10% discount wasn't higher than the other office. It probably was. But <laughs> that's not what was important to him. It was the discount, you know? So, again, when you understand the mindset of people, suddenly the, the influence principles that I teach in my persuasion workshops make complete sense. And it totally changes the way you, you do your presentations and, and influence people to say yes to your treatment recommendations. Yeah. 
I heard uh, through Jordan that your your dental benefit program is kind of on steroids. I'd like to share a story about um, not not as big as what you've done in your practice, um, but back when I was running uh, an insurance department for a $50 million group practice in Arizona, um, we learned that a lot of the group practices just like this one, they were heavy on their in-house dental benefit program. So we start we decided to start one of our own. And what we found is that that increased our growth by 25% in one year. So 25% of our revenue then became um, uh, members and treatment from our dental benefit program. And I think that mm-hmm. that is exactly speaking to what you said, the mindset. I think more than half of the public, <clears throat> I don't care what, what the statistics say out there, but I think more than half of the public out there does not have dental insurance. Jordan, what was that stat from... Um, some department, a government department, about it was uh, it was like uh, over 108 million um, people lack dental insurance, and that I mean that's that was it's it's older. I you know I th- I I believe it's a lot higher now. I don't I don't know if you know of the stat, Doctor Phelps, of what it is now of, of people that don't have dental insurance. Uh, the last one I looked at it, it was around 74 um, percent. Yeah, I I think that's more accurate to me. Wow. Um, but the interesting thing about the, that number... I don't have dental insurance. Yeah, I, I don't either. <laughs> I've never had it. I, I, I've never had when it. I studied, when I studied how dental insurance works, <clears throat> um, it's interesting. Like five years ago, when we studied a local dental insurance plan here in Utah, they gave us the numbers. We were able to find out that for every dollar spent in a dental premium, 60% of that went to pay to, uh, the insurance administrative cost. And then the other 40% went to, to pay the dentist. Well, we recently did some <clears throat> some fact finding with another insurance carrier here locally, and what we found is that 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 forty percent that used to go to the dentist has actually gone down significantly to thirty and twenty percent. So for every wow. dollar that's spent, thirty to uh, twenty to thirty cents ever reaches the dental practice. And the nice thing about an in-house dental benefit program is that you can help the patients save money, and the doctors can find a way to protect what I call the financial integrity of quality care. By having a compensa- or a payment structure directly with the patient, so that you're you're not having to write off the 40 to 60 percent that you do when you're when you're taking insurance plans, and I think it's a great way to help doctors distance themselves from the in-network participation, which is killing many of the solo practitioner practices across the country. Um, Dr. Phelps, your your ROI tracker in your book. How do our listeners learn more about those things? Uh, well, the book you can find on Amazon uh, under the dental section. Uh, just grow your membership savings plan, uh, or you can put in my name to find it. Uh, or you can check out my website, uh, membershipsavingsplan.com. Uh, for the call tracker site and the Golden Goose scheduling, uh, if you need help with that stuff, you can look at calltrackerroi.com. Um, if you're looking for where I'm speaking nationwide, uh, I kind of keep a master schedule of all those events at uh, Dr. Phelps Helps. <laughs> dot com. Nice. Uh, one of the only ways I could get people to remember how to spell my name, just put the P in for helps. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, phelpshelps.com. Uh, it's kind of there. Uh, or as always, they can always email me at drchrisdmd, like my degree, you know, drchrisdmd at gmail. So, you know, I always try to make time for people. I mean, I get to you in that second, but I will get to you and, and get you an answer and try to help. And, yeah, I mean, I met I met you I read one of your articles online. That's how I found out about you, and I immediately contacted you. And like the next day, we had scheduled a call, and we were talking on the phone. So you're pretty easy to contact. So um, I appreciate that, and I'm sure our listeners will appreciate that if they have questions for you. Yeah, yeah. 
And my key message for them is most of them are probably in network and on a bunch of PPOs. And so they have to see what's coming, right? The, the horizon, the tsunami, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, and I, as I say it, there's only three ways you can survive a tsunami. <laughs> Number one is you have to become part of the wave, meaning some of these doctors you see now, they're selling out to corporate groups, right? Yep. And they're basically just becoming part of the wave. Number two is you got to build up your wall so high that when the wave hits, and it's going to hit, right? You're going to divert the wave, right? So it's really not going to affect your practice. And the way you divert that is you you do what this, you're talking about. You get off of these PPO plans. You use somebody like, you know, Ben, I think you have a service like this where you got to negotiate your PPO fees and maximize and suck every little penny out of them you can while you're trying to build your own savings plan and find these fee-for-service patients and transition yourself out and start dropping some of these plans. Now, again, I'm out of network with every insurance plan, but I still have probably 30% of my practice are insurance patients because, truthfully, most of them don't know and don't care about their dental insurance if you don't make it an issue for them, right? So you still have these patients for the most part, uh, but you can still get your full fee as a result. So you got to build up your walls to, to, to protect yourself. And then, of course, the last one is uh, that I talk about sometimes is you just got to be on a different continent when the tsunami hits. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah. That's right. That's that's why I moved here to the United States. Uh, we get so many tsunami warnings in the islands. <laughs> like I'd, I'd yeah. rather not be there. But I, Dr. Phelps, it's been an honor and a pleasure having you on our program. Um, a lot of the listeners know who you are. And uh, I've heard of you through the various speaking uh, events that I've been uh, to around the country. I think there's a, a lot of a, a great deal of credibility behind what you shared with us today, and we're honored that you're you, you were willing to spend the time um, and, and uh, speak to our listeners. So, if you're listening to this and you miss Dr. Phelps' contact information, I know a lot of you might be driving. Uh, please don't try to write that down while you drive. We're we're going to yeah. post all of his information in the show notes. So when you get to a safe place, just go ahead and check out the show notes, and you'll have all of his contact information there. Dr. Phelps, any closing thoughts that you want to share with our listeners? And and, and before you answer that, our Say No to PPO uh, series is not an effort to boycott insurance. It's exactly what you you just mentioned about the tsunami theory, is that we're trying to help doctors find and figure out ways to be more efficient as they do participate with insurance. And that we do have a large contingent of doctors out out there that are trying to go fee-for-service. And then those that are just fed up with insurance altogether and they want to build a practice that is 100% fee-for-service, which is a challenge these days. Um, So our theme is helping doctors become more efficient in navigating the murky waters of dental insurance. And I think you do such a great job with that, that a lot of our listeners would would love to learn from you more. I don't know if you provide a service that can help them go fee-for-service, but do you have any last final closing thoughts for our listeners as they... Uh, navigate the murky waters of dental insurance? You know, I, I don't have a specific service per se uh, to, to teach them how to go only fee-for-service because, again, for me, it's more I can teach you the persuasion side. I can teach you our telephone training stuff through the call tracker side and show you why insurance doesn't have to be a barrier and the fact that you can survive at a network if you understand people's mindsets, right, uh, and what they're really after. Um, it's really a non-issue and a way to transition that stuff out. So, um, and like I said, I, I tried to write my book as like a how-to guide, you know, something I would want, something I can read and just go do, at least to get it started and get it in, and how to sell the thing. And, but ultimately I still feel like you need some help. Like, uh, you know, Jordan has a great service with this. Like once you've got it going, well, how do you, mo- how do you track that? You know, as we said, tracking yeah. is important. 
right? How do you keep tabs on on your savings plans and who's paid for it and who's due to renew it and you know all those little nuances? And so I really think you know Jordan's got a great little product for that. Um, that, that if you don't know about it, you need to look into. Uh, but I, I appreciate you guys and, and the service you're doing with this podcast because the message has to get out there. You can survive. You can be in the fee-for-service world, both with insurance patients, even though you're out of network, or without them altogether. Uh, it's 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 not a unicorn. <laughs> you know, you yeah. can do this. Um, and obviously, I'm here to help any way I can, and, and, and you guys are, are doing a great service in helping them get there. So I applaud well, you. Dr. Phelps, thank you so much again. It's a pleasure having you on our program. We'd love to have you on again. Of course, we're going to have our listeners um, uh, eat up all the information that you shared with us today, and we'd love to have you again on a future program where we can talk more, uh, about more cool things about your book and your RI tracker. But again, Dr. Phelps, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for being a guest on our program. We appreciate you. Yeah, thank you. And that's it, folks. Another exciting episode in the can. We extend our gratitude and thank you to you, our listeners. Without you, our podcast wouldn't be successful. It most certainly wouldn't be where it is today. We just recently started this podcast and we've already received thousands of downloads on most of our episodes. A small way that you can show your appreciation for what we do is to tell somebody about our podcast. You can also share any of our episodes on your Facebook page or other social media, or even like us on iTunes. Again, thank you for your support. And until next time, May you find success in navigating the most challenging insurance problems within your dental practice. Cheers.